pray for God's blessing of His Word. Lord, we turn to You now because we know that uh, just like when we were children and we at times didn't want to listen to our parents, we confess to You at times we don't want to listen to You. But Lord, we ask that You would make our hearts burn within us with a great desire to hear Your Word, to know what is true and to live it out, to trust in Jesus Christ and to have Him upheld before us so that we seek to honor Him in all that we do. We pray this for His sake. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing in our Ten Commandments series in the Fifth Commandment, um, which is uh, the same Bible text that we're going to use from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The commandment is, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I also want to read to us again from Proverbs chapter 23, verses 12 through 16, and verse 22 down to 26. You'll find that on page 545 of the Pew Bible. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Down in verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So we've covered what this passage has to say to children and the commandment to honor their parents. And what we said at the beginning of the sermon last time was that really this commandment is the basis upon which all of society functions. If there's no ability for people to honor those in positions above them, society cannot work well. And children who grow up to dishonor their parents and dishonor their bosses and dishonor their spouses and dishonor their friends are people who are not able to live well within society. And all of society, the entire world, you might say, will not function as it is intended to. You might say it's a depiction of where we are in many ways as a culture where dishonor of those who are older and those who are in positions above us is almost worn as a badge or a status symbol by those who want to rebel. And so the commandment tells children to honor their parents. But if the commandment tells children to honor their parents, there's an implication there, and it's something that's brought out here in Proverbs 23 in terms of the parent-child relationship. Just as children are to honor their parents, parents are to be honorable to their children. Parents are to be honorable to their children. And that's what we're going to take up here this morning as we look at this passage one more time. We're told in verse 12, apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. 
So here the writer is speaking to parents to apply their heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. We as parents are to be wise and godly. We're to be understanding and uh, faithful. And if we expect to be honored, we must be honorable towards our children. One of the fatal mistakes that people often make is that, that by virtue of the position that they have, they have an intrinsic value, an intrinsic worth that says, I deserve respect. I deserve honor. I deserve obedience. But it's actually a matter of God's grace that He has put us in a position. And it's only because He has put us there that we are to receive anything. It's not because we deserve it, but rather because He gives it to us. We must use our authority rightly as parents. How do we do that to be honorable? Several things. First is this. We're to demonstrate honor toward our own parents. We are to demonstrate honor toward our own parents. In verse 26, he says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Now, we've already talked about what it means for the child to give their heart to the parent. But the second half is, let your eyes observe my ways. The father is speaking to the child and saying, I want you to watch me and I want you to emulate what I do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul says. And the father and the mother are to do the same thing. They are to say, as your eyes observe my ways, I want you to do the kinds of things that I do. And therefore, if we are to be honorable to our children, if we want them to honor us, we must honor our own parents. There's a story in one of Grimm's fairy tales where the grandfather of the family who lives with the rest of the family, uh, has become quite old and he's a little sloppy in his eating. And over time, he becomes so sloppy that he gets food all over himself and he can't quite use the fork and the spoon very well anymore. So they decide, first of all, they're going to put him in a corner in a special chair by himself so that he can get food on himself but not food on anybody else. But that doesn't seem to work very well. And he lost the ability to pick up a fork and a spoon. And so what they do is they actually construct a trough, a feeding trough for Grandpa. And so now he simply sticks his hands in and begins to eat out of the trough. Sometime later, the parents come home and they're arriving as they come to the yard. They hear noise in the workshop out back and they go out back and there are the children and they've got out some wood saw and hammer and nails and the parents ask the children what are you building children respond we're building a trough for when you get old point of the story is our children learn to honor us from observing how we honor our own parents are we still giving weight to our parents place in our lives do they have a place and a position of honor in our lives? Do we know what's going on in their lives? Do we know their needs and are we praying for those needs with our children? Do we speak kindly about our parents? Sometimes we reserve the best comments for people outside of our families. Teenagers do this. but We as grown adults do this as well. But our 
Do our parents receive kindly words from us? Do we speak well of them? Do they have a physical presence in our life? Are we physically present with them as much as we possibly can? Certainly we may live in different parts of the country, but are we there to help in times of need? We need to recognize that the way in which we treat our parents is the way in which our children will learn to treat us. The way we speak, the way we act. Our children also learn to honor others by the way in which we honor others. By the way in which we speak about our spouse, by the way in which we speak about our in-laws, church leaders, politicians, policemen. There are various people in positions of authority and how are we speaking of them? How do we respond to them? How do we act towards them? Are we displaying to our children what it means to honor those above us and the way in which we conduct ourselves? And all of that, what we're doing is we're showing forth the fact that we live under authority too. We may not live under our families or our parents' authority anymore, but we're people under authority. We're people who are called to respect and called to honor those above us. And so, first and foremost, we must demonstrate honor toward our parents. But secondly, this, if we want to be honorable to our children, we need to create a loving atmosphere. You notice what the father says over and over. He repeatedly says, my son. It's a term of affection. It's a way of expressing love. You remember how David spoke of his own son who rebelled against him, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son. Remember how the heavenly father spoke of Jesus. This is my beloved son. The way in which the father is speaking to the son to whom he's writing is a term of affection. It's a term of love. And parents, if we're going to be honorable, must create an atmosphere of love within our own homes. The family is not simply a community of people who live together under the same roof. That's not what comprises a family. Only a family when genuine love is present. Dan Allender in his book, How Children Raise Parents, a very interesting book to read. He says that children ask two questions. Every child asks these two questions as they are growing up. I'll tell you the first one now and the second one later. The first one is, am I loved? Every child comes asking that question. They may not articulate it. They may not actually say it to you. But in their mind and in their hearts, they're asking that question, am I loved? Am I loved here in this family? Do people around me think well of me? And if we're going to create an atmosphere of love, then there's two main things that we need to do. Number one, give our children a sense of their identity in our family, that they belong to this family, that they are welcome here, that they're important, they're valued Their place is here with us, that we listen to them, that we value what is important to them, whether it's art or soccer or reading, that we want to spend time with them doing the kinds of things that they love to do. And not only that, but that we include them in the kinds of things that we do. So that they're coming alongside us and the very things that we're doing. And we're saying, I want to share this with you. Most importantly, we want to give them an identity in Jesus Christ. Not only in the family, but the one who can truly love them perfectly 
is Jesus Christ. And if we're going to help our children grow up with a proper sense of identity, with a proper sense of uh, who they are, then we need to help them to understand what it means to be found in Jesus Christ through the gospel. That their righteousness is in Him. That they're adopted into the family of God in Him. That they're loved in Him. That they're cherished in Him. That's what they need to understand who they truly are. And you can only live life well if you know who you are. But not only do we need, them, need to give them a sense of identity, but also a sense of security. Security grows with a consistent, unconditional love that is given to people. If you think about what really establishes security in a relationship, it's sacrifice, isn't it? How do you know that God truly loves you? Is it not because Jesus, His only Son, was offered up on the cross for us? That's how we know that He loves us. Because He was willing to give up the most prized possession of His life, His own Son. When we sacrifice for our children and show unconditional love. And let me just say, this kind of unconditional love, if it's going to be worked out in the family, must be worked out in the marriage relationship first. Our children need to see that we love unconditionally our spouses. We may not always agree. We may come to different conclusions about things. We may do things differently. We may irritate each other. but We're not going anywhere. We love each other unconditionally. It's not dependent upon what my spouse does or what I do for my spouse. But rather, it's simply a love that I give with no strings attached Why is that so important for a child and for children to have a sense of security? Because without that, then children begin to wonder, well, am I next? Will I be the one that mom or dad turns against? Will I be the one that they no longer love? We need to communicate that unconditional love that we love them no matter what. We affirm them, we encourage them, we care for them, we protect them. We provide all that they really need, not all that they want, but everything that they really need. And we give them affection. What what creates insecurity more than anything else is a mixed message that we could send to our children. A mixed message. On the one hand, I love you. On the other hand, I hate you. Doesn't that kind of message Make things unstable for a person? Where do I stand with them? I don't know who I am before them. I don't know what my relationship is like and what it's going to be today or tomorrow. And what's when we give mixed messages to our children that we upset that sense of security within them. When the rules are always changing. And they always seem to change in favor of dad or mom. Children get mixed messages Or when we're hypocritical about our faith and we tell our children, do what I say, not what I do. We're giving them mixed messages that make them sense that maybe this gospel thing isn't really true. And there's no security in it. Friends, when we give the gifts of identity in Christ and security in His love and our love, we become respectable and honorable to our children. And then they're willing to listen to us. 
And that's the next thing. We're to teach the truth. Not only we demonstrate honor by honoring our parents, not only are we to love them unconditionally and create a loving atmosphere, but we're to teach the truth. Verse 22 says this, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth. Do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The parents are there to instruct, to give wisdom, to impart understanding and knowledge. Now, how are we to teach in such a way that we become honorable in the eyes of our children? Well, the first thing is this. We need to teach the gospel of grace. We need to teach the gospel of grace. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees, you tie heavy burdens on the backs of people that they cannot bear. If our home is all about teaching law all the time, teaching rules and commandments, and this is what you can't do, and this is what you must do, but it's not enveloped in the gospel of grace, in that loving atmosphere that Jesus gives to us, and understand that we're constantly being called to repentance, and we're given forgiveness whenever we ask for it, then all of a sudden those rules become tyranny, burdensome. And we will no longer be respectable to our children Because what we have done is we've held up a standard for them that they cannot meet, just as we cannot meet it. If we're going to be respectable in our teaching, we must teach the gospel of grace so that they are set free and compelled to honor Jesus Christ because they want to. Not simply because they're commanded to, but because they want to, because He's done everything for them for their salvation. And they learn to exalt Jesus and rejoice in our teaching. But not only we teach them the gospel of grace, but we also want to teach them to see life from God's perspective. See life from God's perspective. Now, in our culture, the way in which parenting has evolved over the last few decades is that really the child is in charge. If you read much of the secular literature, the child is in charge. And it's not really the right or the duty of the parent to teach the child anything, to say this is true and this isn't. Rather, to let the child discover for themselves what is true. Find out on their own. Come to their own conclusions about what they want to believe. Now, there's some level of truth to that. We have to give some freedom as our children grow up. They have to be their own person to express faith in Jesus Christ. We can't compel it. But we are to teach the truth. We're to help them to understand life from God's perspective so they see who they are and what life in the world is like. Because otherwise, what we're really doing is creating lost, insecure people. It's the very thing I saw on a college campus in college ministry where people walking around thinking they knew what life was about, but when you really talked to them, they felt lost and confused. Where am I going? What is this life all about anyway? We do our children well when we teach them to see life from God's perspective. And what it communicates to them is, You're so valued in my life that I'm willing to teach you what is true. You're so valued in my life that I want to show you the right way. We're to teach them what's true. The goal of our teaching is to 
raise them up for eternity with God. Isn't that the whole purpose of our teaching? That they would know God and enjoy Him for all of eternity. To know what's worth living for. Because really, they don't know. And you may be 16 years old and think, I've got it figured out, but the reality is that your parents know far more than you, as we talked about last week. And sometimes all we can see is just what's in front of our faces. All we can see is the pain of the discipline that we're undergoing. All we can see is the decision that's set before me. All we can see is how troubling school is at this point. Or how I feel so lost. We need our parents to guide us. And if we lovingly teach and apply the Word of God to them, even though they fight against it to some extent and at some points, one day they will come to love and respect it. Because they will look back and see how mom and dad have kept them from so many pitfalls. And they will respect us for it. We are honorable when we teach them what is right and true from God's perspective. The last thing about teaching is this. We want to teach them how to honor parents in every stage of life. When they're young children, they honor most of all by obeying and by speaking respectfully and following our lead as we make decisions for them. As they grow and we give them a measure of freedom to make choices within certain parameters, they're to honor their parents by making good and wise choices within those parameters. And then when they go off and we send them out into the world and they're on their own, they honor parents by keeping the Word of God and by living faithfully before the Lord. Their decisions may not be our decisions, but they might be faithful decisions before the Lord. And what we want is for children to grow and mature so that they start off obeying mom and dad and then all of a sudden, after a number of years, they're on their own, but they're able to make good and wise choices because they've been taught well. And so they need to know how to honor parents in every stage of life. But also, parents, to be honorable, must administer consistent discipline. Consistent discipline. Verse 13 and 14 say, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Now imagine the children would listen to that today and say, well, I may not die, but it certainly will hurt. And it will hurt. Discipline hurts. But it's necessary. It saves his soul from Sheol, from death, from hell, from condemnation. Discipline is necessary in all of life and especially in parenting. Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. If we do not discipline our children, we are not loving them. We've all seen children that have been allowed to do whatever they want to do. And they turn out to be rotten people. Dan Allender, I said in his book, How Children Raise Parents, says that children ask two questions. One is, am I loved? The other one is, can I get what I want? Can I get what I want? Can I have it my way? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. And when the no comes, it's painful. 
at times. And discipline is hard. It's very hard. It's hard for parents. Requiring children to obey is hard. It takes constant work, doesn't it? They wear us down. They're very good at that. They're persistent. They always have a different angle to come at you with. It's easy to give up. It's easy to give in. It's easy just to make peace and give them what they want. But it's also not only hard, it's unpleasant. We don't enjoy it. It's not pleasurable to discipline our children. We'd far more like them to obey our words than obey us because we discipline them. And because it's hard and unpleasant, parents sometimes, we can fall into the trap of wanting to be liked more than being honorable. And honorable parents are ones that lovingly discipline and correct their children. So what does that look like? It means being under control. Being under control. We know what it's like as parents to emotionally sort of begin to lose it because our button has been pushed just a little too much. But good, honorable discipline that our children will respect us for is when it's under control. It's done in private. We talk with our children first. We explain the problem. What went wrong? Call them to repentance. Have them pray to the Lord to receive repentance or to receive forgiveness. And to receive forgiveness not only from Him, but from us. Needs to include words of affection. I still love you. And nothing's going to change that. I am here for you. And I will always be your father, your mother. Needs to be consistent. Means the rules stay consistent. And the children know what the rules are. Means that the consequences for our children's disobedience are consistent too. They're not arbitrary. You might say that, um, that our discipline needs to be just. In the Old Testament, the way in which that was spoken of is by the phrase, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Sounds cruel, but it was actually meant to measure out justice in appropriate ways. So that if you poked my eye out, I didn't cut off your head. The punishment needs to fit the crime. And the same is true in discipline. The punishment needs to fit the crime with our children. The last thing is that it needs to be beneficial to the child. In other words, discipline is not merely for us to just let go of our frustrations and get it all out. Not at all for that, but it's for the benefit of the child that they might grow and learn. And children know when we discipline them for our benefit or when we discipline them for their benefit. To be honorable means we love our children enough to discipline them. And to do it in an honorable fashion. Mao Zedong once wrote his many quotes. He says that power grows out of the barrel of a gun. And that's true. You can force people to do things with power and authority. But after you've wielded the gun and you force people to do the things that they don't want to do. And then you remove the gun. They don't honor you. They resent you. 
And we as parents need to be honorable in the way in which we discipline our children. So that right discipline one day will be embraced by them and honored by them. Well, that's what I wanted to say towards parents about being honorable. But there's one last question I want to ask and at least try to answer in a very cursory fashion. Because it's something that comes up for people on quite a number of occasions. What if I have dishonorable parents? What if I have dishonorable parents? What if as a Christian I have non-Christian parents and they don't want me to do Christian things. They don't want me to honor God. They don't want me to obey the word of God. What am I to do? Well, I'm still to honor them. Heidelberg Catechism 104 asked that question about honoring parents. We used it last week and it has at the end there that we're still to honor them regardless of their failures. But what are we to do to honor them? Go back to verse 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. We honor our parents by living honorable lives before the Lord Jesus Christ, by growing up into maturity, by living for Jesus and keeping His Word, by trusting in Him, by being the kind of man or woman that He calls us to be in His Word. That is how we honor our parents, whether they agree with it or not. You may remember in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, towards the beginning, young George Bailey is working, I think he's probably 12, 13 years old, and he's working in a pharmacy in the soda shop. And the pharmacist has just gotten word that his son has been killed during World War I. And he's taken to the bottle. And he's sobbing and he's been called upon to write a, uh, fill a prescription. And he fills the prescription, but he, but he grabs the wrong bottle and it's filled with poison. And young George Bailey recognizes it. And he's the delivery boy. What do I do? Well, he didn't deliver it. And he got slapped for it. He disobeyed, but he honored the man. Because he didn't deliver poison to a child to be killed and so that the man would be sent to prison or be killed in the electric chair. What that illustrates is that we can disobey our parents at times and still honor them. We might have parents who want us to run contrary to what the Word of God says about how we're to parent, how we're to handle our money, what we're to do with our jobs, all sorts of things. Jesus says, I will receive it as honoring your parents if you will but keep my word. I'd encourage you to go back and read through the account of Jonathan and Saul, King Saul, his father, where Jonathan in many ways had to disobey his father and yet he honored him nonetheless. Saul wanted to kill David. Jonathan tried to stop him. But even though he disobeyed his father, he honored him. And not only that, Jonathan was there with his father to the end. Died in the same battle that his father died in. You can honor those 
who are not honorable by loving the Lord Jesus Christ. You might think of it this way. We learn to honor God by first honoring our parents. But then later on, that relationship is reversed. We want to honor our parents because we want to honor God. We want to honor Him for the grace that He's given to us, for the payment for our sins that He has won for us. And that becomes the thing that causes us to keep a sense of obedience, a sense of honor, a sense of respect for those who are above us, whether they are honorable or not. Remember this. Honor is not an emotion. It's a choice. And it's a choice that we are called to do every single day. We're to give proper weight or honor to our parents. And reflect the fact that God has already honored us in Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray. Lord, we turn to you because only you can make us into honorable people. We confess that we live life for ourselves if we were left to our own sin. Left to our own devices, we would use authority and power for our own selfish pleasure. And we would trample people underneath us. But We praise you that through Jesus Christ, you make us into honorable people because you make us like him. He is the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, as we come to your table now, may you bless us with the grace that you extend to us in him so that we would live faithfully for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.